So today we carry on, we continue on our journey. Uh, we're, we're looking at why in Ephesians, and I call this Ephesians season two. And what we're doing right here is that we are, we're going through the verses of Ephesians, but I've tried to kind of put it in blocks of topics that we can look at. Amen. I can hear some, some things sounding. Let me try to turn some things off. I don't want distraction this morning. Glory be to God. Amen. Fantastic. Now let's turn our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4. Ephesians 2 4. So I'll read 4 and 5. So uh, I'm, going to read, I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version. So this reads, But God who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. So let's take it on to verse 10, because I'm trying to be a man of faith that it's possible for me to cover six verses in one day. But let's see how how far we go today. Right. So verse 7 reads, uh, have I finished? No, 6 now. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Amen. So I'm, I'm trying to keep track of time so I don't get too excited and keep you guys waiting longer than, uh, wait, keep you guys longer than you should. Amen. So let's start digging into this. Let's start from verse 4. I'll read 4 and 5 together and we take 4 and 5 together as a, as a verse. Remember that the Bible was not written in chapters and verses. The Bible, the, yes. And this particular letter and all the letters to the church, to the early church, were not written in verses and chapters. They were written, you know, they were one letter written to some people. But some people actually, um, they, they, they included chapters. They broke down these letters into chapters and verses for easier reference. Amen. So verse 4 and 5, I'll take again. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Amen. So the word there, mercy, right? Uh, sorry, the word there, mercy, I think I should come back to that later on. But let me talk about this word here, rich. The Bible says that for God who is rich in mercy, who is rich in mercy, and uh, the Greek word there, uh, spelled P-L-U-S-I-O-S, means extremely rich. Please stay with me on this journey. This is going to be an amazing journey with, uh, for us this morning. Say, God who is rich in mercy. So when it's anytime you think about God, think about God in, in terms of someone who is rich in mercy. God's mercy cannot be, uh, cannot be used up. Cannot be used up. God cannot run out of mercy. Right. God cannot run out in mercy. And what is mercy in this context? So God's mercy in this context is reaching out to people with his grace. So mercy here is not God 
you know, holding back from punishing you for your sins or punishing you for the sins of your parents or punishing you for anything you have done. Mercy here is God giving you what you don't deserve. I repeat, mercy here means giving you what you don't deserve. You and I do not deserve to be saved because we are unworthy of God. We are seen as God is holy. God is righteous. God is pure. The Bible says that back in you know, the previous verses that we covered earlier on last week, it said we were by nature children of wrath. So we were deserving wrath because of our sinful nature. Because at that time, we were children of the devil because we had a sinful nature. I stated very clearly last week and emphatically that what takes people to hell is not yet their actions, it's their nature. It is people's sinful nature that takes them to, uh, to, where? to hell, not because, they, uh, they, not because of what they did or did not do. So when you hear things like, someone went to heaven and they saw a particular woman of God in hell. So some, somebody died and we should ask them, where did they go? Because if they went to heaven, I was wondering how they saw the woman of God in hell. But that's fine. So they said they saw this woman of God in hell because, and her sin was because she was wearing trousers when she was on earth. They said things like, some people went to hell because they did not forgive their father before they died. So they went to hell. It is what we call utter absolute nonsense. It's called nonsensical, nonsensical nonsense. That a person's action will take them to hell. When in the first place, it was not their action that qualified them for salvation. What did I call it? Nonsensical nonsense. Highland nonsense. Amen. And I've had a lot of this nonsense out there. Amen. Instead of going by what a person claimed to say, shall I be very honest with you? Many of the people who claimed to go to heaven and came back with some weird news lied. What did I say? They lied. You may say in your mind, are you saying that great man of God lied? I tell you, based on the word of God, and emphatically, yes, they lied. They are liars. And you may say, why did they lie? Did they even die in the first place? Friends, you don't know what is on people's mind. You don't know human beings. Human beings in their flesh can do one of the most ridiculous and the most stupid and dumb thing you ever thought or imagined, including you and I. So if you and I can do, could do dumb stuff or could be tempted to lie and manipulate, so why do you think a man of God cannot have an intention, wants to get attention, wants to raise offering? What are you talking about? I've been in this thing for, for, over, 20, for over 20 years. I know what I'm talking about. Amen. So when people tell you that they saw some people in hell, because of what they did when they were hurt is a lie. Praise the Lord. The Bible says God is extremely rich in mercy. And rich, being rich in mercy here means he reached out to human beings with his grace. What is grace? Undeserved kindness of God in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. The undeserved kindness of God, you know, showed towards us, shown towards us in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. What Jesus came to do on earth by dying for our sins and being raised from the dead so that we can be raised to a new life. And when the Bible says here that God who is extremely rich in mercy, 
it means that God will continue to show mercy and kindness to everyone. That God's mercy cannot be exhausted. Amen. Praise the Lord. So God saved us not out of obligation, but because of his love. His great love that he came in human form to die for us. Amen. Verse 6. And raised us up together. Right, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And he raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So God did not only restore us back to himself, into, uh, into, uh, into, to himself in a relationship with him. He also raised us. Yeah. So he didn't only re, re, uh, reconnected the relationship, kind of give us, eternal, give us eternal life. Right. I'm trying to define this in human terms so that we can understand it much better. God did not only give, uh, restored access to us for us to have access to him. Right. He actually raised us to a spiritual position whereby we, we have similar or we have similar access to the Father and authority. So the right hand side of Christ, uh, let me see, let me take that again. Okay, I don't, I think I'm jumping ahead of myself. I'm going to stick to this article on that journey. So, it said, raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So in Christ Jesus, you are seated in the heavenly places. Positionally, you are not an ordinary human being. I repeat, positionally, spiritually, you are not an ordinary human being. You have authority in Christ. In the, you have spiritual authority and power. You may look like your neighbor. You may look like your father and your mother. But if they are not saved, you are not an ordinary person. In Christ Jesus, you are seated in heavenly places. Amen. Uh, and that part says that far above all rule, all power, all principality. So uh, chapter 1 says that when God raised Jesus from the dead, right? I think verse 16. When he raised him from the dead, he raised him up. Okay, no, that's Romans. Okay, no, no, no. Ephesians 1 from chapter 19, talking about the power, the resurrection power of God, right? And it says that power raised Jesus, and it talked that the Bible tells us about how, how high, right, Jesus was raised to. So the Bible says it was raised, it, uh, it was raised to the right hand side of God, uh, the place of authority above all principality, all rule, all power, all dominion. So if we were raised, if we were, if we were raised with Christ Jesus, Right, and we are seated and we are in him, it means that we are above principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. You know what? I'm trying to jump ahead of myself because I'm keeping eye on time. But let's go there. Let's go to let's do let me do just justice to this. Let's go to Ephesians 1 and we'll go to Romans 6. Let me do a good job. Right. I thought a miracle was going to happen today that I'm going to get the verse 10, but it seems like it's not going to happen. But let me do a good job so that you guys have something substantial to carry on. Amen. Praise the Lord. So let's go to verse uh, 19 of Ephesians chapter 1. And it reads, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he released him from the dead and seated him at his right hand, in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion. Watch that. And every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be heard over all things to the church, 
which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So verse, uh, verse 20 says, which he walked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Verse 21, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. So verse 6 of Ephesians chapter 2 says, and he raised us up together. So the level to which God raised Jesus to, right? Verse 6 of Ephesians 1.21, verse 6 of chapter 2 says, You were raised together with Christ Jesus. So how should we read this? It says, And he raised us up together, right? Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. So that is the position of the believer. The believer is above principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. So what that also means technically is that Satan does not, Satan is no more powerful than you. Write it down, write it down, write it down. Satan is not more powerful than you. You should not be afraid of Satan. You should not be going to special prayer meetings in the fear of the devil, hoping that the devil will not attack you. No. Your position in Christ Jesus is beyond, is above principality, power, rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness and high places. And every believer needs to understand this. Because if you do not have a spiritual realization of your position in Christ, the enemy will always take advantage of you. See, don't try to look for a power somewhere. Don't think one day you will have this power, this anointing. You have it already. It is realizing it, receiving it, Walking in it, confessing it, acting according to, act, acting by faith, acting, acting according to what is written in the word of God, that you have it, that will make it evident in your life. We are believers. Why are we called believers? Because we believe something we do not see. We are not seers. And I got to be careful how I say seers here because they're all kind of seers in the world now. Some people could say they're called, they called a seer because uh, when this guy, Saul, when the when his father's his house was meeting kind of thing and said, let's see, is there a seer in the I've had a man out things in this world, God help me. Amen. With the five gifts that was given to ministry gifts given to the body of Christ, I can't remember being seen a seer there, but that's by the way, anyway, that's another just for another day. God help me. Praise the Lord. Right. So for the believer, for the believer, what did I say? You are a believer. So you don't need to see that power. You don't need to feel it. Like you ah, I can feel the power. Try shake your body now. Tell me whether you feel powerful. If you feel powerful right now, you are only uh, maybe because of you, you 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 put something in your drink, amen, that intoxicates you. You can't feel the power. You act by faith. You put the devil where it's meant to be, using the authority you have in the name of Jesus. So putting Ephesians 1:21 and Ephesians 2:6 together, being raised together with Christ. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Being raised together with Christ is being raised. To be above principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places, and every name that is named. Think about any name that intimidates you. You, you are occupying a position that is superior to that power. And you need to realize it, stand in it, and stand against those forces intimidating you. Like I had some this morning that we're trying to... All man of thought was just kind of coming up in my emotions and my feelings this morning. I said, I know how this thing works, but I wasn't expecting you to come and interrupt my service, try to interrupt my service. And I took my position in Christ Jesus and I took and I commanded those feelings and those thoughts, those imaginations to occupy, to remain their place. I think they kind of have a clue of what, how this service is going to go because I didn't plan to go this deep in my teaching today. 
But the way things is going, I can see why the enemy tried to come and harass me in the morning, this morning. Praise God. Okay, I'm told my mic is cutting when I move. Okay, I got to be careful how I shake my body, right? It's part of power, isn't it? <laughs> All right, so thanks, thanks, thanks for the feedback, yeah. Amen. So shall I stay still then? Praise the Lord. Okay, let's do this. Right, so thank you for that. Right, so in Christ Jesus, now I have to stay still. Praise the Lord, Lord help me. So in Christ Jesus, can I shake my head? So in Christ Jesus, <laughs> you're occupying the position of power and authority. Amen. So that's one part. Now let's go to Romans chapter 6. Romans 6. Still this verse 6, Romans 6. So that we understand what that being raised with Christ means. So it has different ramifications to it. Right, let's, let me go to uh, verse 6, Romans 6, 6. It said, knowing this, mm, one second, knowing this that our, our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Excuse me. <clears throat> For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Watch this. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. So anytime you see being raised from the dead, anything you see that the resurrection of Jesus means, right, the outcome also appropriated in your life because that is your reality, regardless of the situation or circumstance in your life right now. Right. Verse 10 reads, For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Verse 11, Likewise, you also reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So if you were raised together with Christ, which you are by God's grace, right? If you are raised, if you are raised together with Christ, right? Sin should not dominate your life. See, I love how the Bible, how Paul stated it here. He said, you need to reckon yourself dead to sin. Amen. You need to believe and accept that you are dead to sin. For, men, so for some men or women, you tell, and because I have kids in church today, so I'm, I'm going to say something here. I'm going to mind how I say this here. You know what they call adult movies, right? Um, which is, I want to calm down a little bit so I can say this nicely. Who is that? Who is that? Mm. I don't want to be a man of unclean lips. <laughs> Who was that idiot that called X-rated movies adult movies? Who is that devil's cousin that calls evil movies adult movies? And some people growing up believe because they are not adults, they can watch movies that destroy their soul, destroy their mind, and make them a threat, an instrument of destruction to the lives of other people. Who, who invented, invented that word, adult movie? So if you're an adult and you've been watching the so-called X-rated, R-rated uh, adult movie in quotes what has your life been like how how peaceful has your dreams as your sleeps your sleep been your emotions i'm not talking about how, how people present themselves on social media say they talk about this movie they watch this movie 
the ones that have been very honest have been able to to to, to confess to me that they've, they've watched some movies that this movies affected them how it affected their marriage and things like that in my time in my dispensation i will raise a people who walk in truth who walk in righteousness not in lies and deception of the world the lies and the deception of the world puts us in captivity in bondage who invented that word that demonic movies are adult movies so from this moment, when you when you hear anything adult movie, you, you what you what you attach to it is demonic movie, and you guys don't understand what I'm talking about because I've got kids and little ones in service, so I can't go into details. But the so-called but we adults, we know what I'm talking about, right? Right. So how does that relate to what I'm talking about in this service? Some people feeding their mind on the so-called adult movies, right, have entered some bondages. So if you have repented of your sin. But the implication or the impact of the so-called adult movies that you have seen is affecting you. Now you can take your position in Christ Jesus and declare that sin no longer has dominion over you. Right? Because the situation or the condition is not because of what the devil did. You went into the territory of the devil. And that is why we should bear in mind the fact that you are born again does not, does not make you immune to the attacks of the enemy. If you go into the devil's territory, he will eat your lunch and pop your bag. He will, he will mess you up. He will mess you about. Amen. So when people say silly things like, we are under grace. And we'll talk about this next week. Next week when I go into verse 10, get to verse 10, you know, Ephesians 2.10. Right. So before, because you are under grace does not mean that you toy with the devil play with the devil paul even speaking to the Ephesians uh, church he said you have not so learned christ evil things all kind of demonic things that the, the, the works of the flesh he said we didn't learn that from christ so if according to titus 2 11 jesus is the grace of god because the bible says uh, the grace of god that brings salvation that brings salvation has appeared to all men and what says that what brings salvation to us jesus christ who died for us so if jesus has brought salvation to all men, and Paul is saying we did, we have not so learned Christ. So how are people connecting it that grace gives you the liberty to sin to do dumb stuff? It does not make any sense. For every person who is living a life of sin or giving themselves to sin, all in the name of grace, right? They are whining and dining with the devil. And trust me, the devil is so good; he does not take chances. Any opportunity you give him, he takes it. And that is why sometimes some people spending just five minutes in some demonic movies have repercussions or impact of years. Because the devil will not, no, he doesn't like to lose chances. You give him a chance. That's why the Bible says in Ephesians 4, I think 20, um, 16, Ephesians 4, that do not give the devil a foothold. He didn't say don't open up your door to the devil. Don't give him a foothold. You know a foothold is just like in. Say, you know, just once we're not hurt. Just once is not bad. Not with the devil. You just need to give the devil a foothold or he just needs to see a crack and it comes in all in. That crack ain't gonna close except by the power of God and your repentance. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> Amen. I hope I was able to drive that home. So, uh, we, we thank God for the grace and the goodness of... We thank God for the grace the goodness and the kindness of God. We thank God for what that resurrection of Christ means for us. 
that sin no longer has dominion over us, but we also must not give ourselves to sin. Intentional sinning is playing to the territory of the enemy and is going to mess you up. That's it. So can we, are we, can we, are we, have I done a kind of similarly good job to connect uh, Ephesians 2, 6 to Ephesians 1, 21 and Romans chapter 6, verse um, is it 11 there? Amen. So you are dead to sin. You are raised to a place in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. You are raised to a position in Christ with Christ Jesus in the heavenlies, right? The place of authority that puts you over and above and gives you authority over the powers of darkness. Amen. And because you were raised to a new life, you received a new nature whereby you have been given the capacity to live unto God. Every believer can live a life of peace, a life of a life unto God. Any believer who is not living a life unto God, one of two things, demonic oppression on attack, right? Or their mind have not been renewed. Praise the Lord. Yeah, so I think from the conversation we had this morning, I'm speaking to one of our members of the church family. I didn't see this coming, so I think by the Spirit, I was prompted so that I can know how to handle certain things. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yeah, it is TTC code. That's what we can call it this morning. Amen. So, verse 7. That in the ages to come, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us. Oh, this is beautiful. This is just beautiful. You know, God, at the end of the day, wants to show, he wants to point at you and I as the, the, the evidence of his manifold grace, of his exceeding great, of his exceedingly great riches, his mercy. You know, when, when the Lord Jesus returns, God, God wants to look at us and say, how beautiful that people who do not have, who do not, who do not deserve me, who do not deserve to come back into a relationship with me, can actually receive salvation and they can fellowship with me and live with me forever. That's so beautiful. So God rejoices over us. And there's even much more joy ahead of, you know, ahead of God in a sense in my own terms. This is theology. Because at the end of the day, he just wants to see, he wants to just, he wants to rejoice in himself like he could fellowship with you and I. Because the Bible says, for by, uh, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Amen. And now God can always point to us as examples of how very rich his kindness is as shown in all he has done for us through Jesus Christ. That's beautiful. So when you think and reflect on this, you just see how merciful, how kind, how loving God is. Amen. Praise God. Let's carry on. Verse 8. We're going to uh, stop here. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourself, of yourselves, it is the gift of God. <laughs> For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. If you look at the word there, saved, it means it's, that was past tense, right? For English students. Saved means it was done in the past. And even in context, in the Greek context, it means that it was done and completed in the past. Your salvation, my salvation was completed in the past and the effects carried on till today and, and you know, till tomorrow. Done in the past, but the effects 
which is the salvation, the effect of salvation, continues to find expression in our lives and, and is continually available. So Jesus died on the cross over 2,000 years ago. And the effect of that salvation is that anyone who, who believes in him and receives him will be saved. Which means your debt, my debt, were paid in advance. So if your debt, my debt, were paid in advance, Jesus died for us in advance, even before we were born. So tell me, how possible can you and I earn salvation by effort? It does not make sense. It was done in the past. Oh, more than 2,000 years before you were born. Or more than 1,000, depending on your age. It was done perfected thousands of years ago. And now some people are thinking of earning that salvation by their works. Uh -huh. you, you, you answer you the question yourself. It does not make sense. You have, just, you, you have just spoken. I didn't say it. You said it. He said it doesn't make sense. Yes, it doesn't make sense. So salvation is not by works. Salvation is by faith. It, salvation is by grace through faith. Let's, let me dig into it. So for by grace, you have been saved. What did I define grace as? God showing you mercy. Yeah, no. Mercy is God showing you grace. Grace is the undeserved kindness of God towards us in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Undeserved favor. We don't deserve salvation. That's what grace is. Amen. Because, because we're, we're by nature children of wrath, what do we deserve? to be eternally separated from God and to spend eternity with the devil. That was what we deserved because of the sinful nature. So we don't deserve to be saved. But the Bible tells us that by grace, by all the undeserved kindness and the mercy of God, you and I are saved. Amen. Through faith. And the Bible says it is through faith. So you were saved by grace. So salvation comes by grace, by the goodness and the kindness of God, through faith. So faith is a channel through which you are saved. So grace is made available, but how it is appropriated in your life is by faith, through faith. So it means you have to put your faith and confidence in what God has done for you in Christ Jesus for that salvation to find expression in your life. Some people, contrary to this, some people are trying to end salvation by good works. And a lot of people in the world are doing this today. And how are they doing it? They believe being a good person, they will end up in heaven. They will spend eternity with God being a good person. So just believe that by being a good person, they are sorted. Amen. But that's not true. That is not true because by nature, we were what? Children of wrath, deserving wrath because we had the nature of sin. So no one, no matter how good they are, and I don't want to mention names, no one, no matter how good they are, will spend eternity with God if they are not saved. Because being, salvation is not a function of your good works. If you, if you are doing good works, well done, well done, you, are, you have done well. And you are doing well. Because some people cannot just phantom why they need to talk to that person that is very nice in their life about Jesus. They were like, no, God cannot be wicked and send this person to hell. I know I heard of a man, a pastor, 
who changed his message and the, the trajectory of his ministry because he said, how can God send this kind of people to hell? How can, you know, and he was looking at it on the basis of someone intentionally sending someone to hell. No, God is not sending people to hell. People will end up in hell just because of their spiritual DNA. Amen. Not because of what they have done or not done. This is not, God, this, this is not God's fault. This is, go back and pick up the fight with Adam. Who sinned and got us all into this mess. Amen. And if that kind of system exists, it shows how faithful and, and the kind of integrity God has. Because he created a system, what is good stays there, what is bad stays there. Some guys went to get, some guys got corrupted with the bad stuff. What we go do is a God of integrity. Satan will be eternally damned. And some people carried his DNA. What should he do? He can't help himself here. And that's why Jesus had to come to die for you and I. Because God himself cannot come down and save us. He can't send us to, he, he, he can't do it because his holy, is righteous, is God. He is God and he carries a righteous nature. And that's why he came in the person of Jesus himself to die for you because he's the only one who could pay for your sins. So for people to say, I don't need Jesus in my life because I don't want to be like those hypocrites, you are just deceiving yourself. Because it's not, it's, this is not a matter of whether you, it's not a matter of becoming a Christian. It's a matter of being reconnected and reunited to the Father. It's, it's, a, it's a matter of receiving the gift of eternal life. So it is for your good if you become a Christian. But don't look at the word Christian. Look at being reconnected to the Father. Amen. I wish I could lead a prayer of salvation this, this morning. <clears throat> Amen. So by grace, you have been saved. I like how this puts it. By grace, you have been saved. You have been, not you will be. It is in the past. You have been saved. You have been saved even before you were born. And not of yourself. And that, <laughs> true faith. And that not of yourself, it is the gift of God. Right. So, um, I want to pick up a few things in my note before I shut down. Mm. So, let me talk about... Should I talk about here? How many minutes do you have? I have like five minutes to do this. Which one should I pick there? Okay. People say faith moves God. Faith moves God. But in this context, so people think that when they do so much, when they, some people refer to Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. Time will not allow me to go into that today. <laughs> some things are written in the Bible. Some things that were translated into English in the Bible, that's not the most accurate interpretation of those things. So when you want to read the Bible, you have to read the Bible in different from, you have to read it, read it where, study it so that you can get the true picture. And the fact that some things, yeah, most things, some things in the Bible, not most things, some things in the Bible, written in the Bible, were not translated properly. And it shows the limitation of human beings too. Fantastic. Get it? Right. But glory be to God. He has deposited his spirit in our heart that we can understand what is written in the Bible. So an angel appeared to Cornelius and Cornelius said, God said to me, his prayer has been answered because of the good works he's done, blah, blah, blah. But even at that, <laughs> Cornelius' good works, Acts chapter 10, Cornelius' good works could not save him. God still had to send for Peter to preach the gospel to him. So if you are thinking somebody's good work will take them to heaven because of Cornelius, you need to read it properly. Even Cornelius' good works could not save him. God had to send people Angel, the angel had to tell him, go and get Peter to minister the gospel to you. Even the angel could not, the angel could not minister the gospel to him. <laughs> Amen. We'll talk about that in future. 
So faith doesn't move God because if you look at this in this context, God has already moved. The Bible says you have been saved. God has demonstrated his mercy and kindness to you in the past. Right? So here, faith is receiving by faith is receiving what God has already made available for you. If you are thinking your faith will move God, let me tell me how more, how, how, how consistently you see results in that. Because if your works is what you think will move God, because many times when people say faith moves God and they don't talk, they don't talk about grace because grace and faith always work together. When people talk about faith moving God, watch carefully. In many instances, they have combined it with their human effort. I did this so that God can bless me and my faith move God. People will say, come and demonstrate your faith to God by doing this. It's not true. Now, when you want to act on your faith, you act in line with the outcome that the, the, with the outcome you expect from your faith in God. So when we're talking about, so it's for instance, you're trying to get a job, right? And you're trusting God for a job. This is a very tri- trivial example. You try, you believe in God for a job. And you say, and you want to act in faith. So what do you think you should do? Sit down on your couch and fold, fold your hands. I know you've had some people say, you know what, they were not doing anything. And somebody came to, a, somebody came, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord, Lord, what did I get myself into? Let me explain to you. Okay, Lord, uh, guys, give me, okay, I'm still on track. Lord Jesus, how did I get here? Hmm. Some people say, you know what, they were not doing anything. But by the way, let me, give, let me tell you the future of these people. They have been fired. So some people said, <laughs> they were not doing anything and they were called for this job to be the director of a particular company. People who did not know, they don't know management. They, don't have, no, they have no management skills. They don't even know how to manage people. They don't even know how to do bookkeeping. They don't have any of the skill set to do a particular job. Is it possible to happen? Yes. You could be supernaturally or miraculously called to do a job, but it's just a matter of time. If the boss, if the owner of the company is someone like me, who, and so, who, who is accountable to a higher authority, and know that company and businesses were not set up to give out free money, I will fire you. What did I say? I will fire you. Praise the Lord. Many of them have been fired and people have been honest enough to come and tell me that the miracle jobs they got, when they got, they, they could not deliver. Some were humble enough to leave the employment. Some were fired. So if you are trusting God for a job, what should you do in response to that faith? It's not by going to sow offering or tithe in your, in your church. No. Or going to do some kind of work in your church so that you can't know. See, those ones are your responsibility as a responsible child of God and a member of that church household. Can I make myself clear? Don't go and work in church so that God can bless you. That is being irresponsible. So when you then get the job, you get the blessing. So what happens? You continue to do it to make to impress God because you vow. No, everyone should walk in the church tirelessly to ensure that the vision of the church is being fulfilled. That the mandate of our mandate in Christ Jesus to raise disciples is, is fulfilled. So you don't go to church to work so that you can get a job. It is nonsense. So if you actually want to work, you want to act by faith on that. <laughs> that you are trusting God for a job, what should you do? You go and obscure yourself. You go and take a training that would help you or enable you to be able to deliver when that job opportunity comes. Right? You fix your CV and apply for jobs. When many people go and start to work in the church and something by miracle happens, sometimes they don't even know whether it's the devil that even arranges it for them. 
So when grace, when people don't understand, this is how grace works and uh, connects with that. So when people don't understand that God is kind, God is good, God has blessed you, God has made provisions for you, not because of anything you have done. They go into legalism. They try to earn God's favor and blessing by effort, which most of the time are contrary to faith itself. It's legalism. Amen. And finally, talking about faith here, um, for salvation here, I'm not talking about faith as in human faith. There's human faith, there's natural faith, and there's a faith that comes uh, and there's supernatural faith. Let me use the word supernatural faith here. So a human being with, with a natural human faith cannot receive the salvation. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So the faith to receive the gospel must come, comes from a person hearing the gospel because the faith to receive the gospel is not, is not human faith whereby a, man, a human being believes that they can build a multi-million dollar company and they build it. The faith to build a multi-million dollar company cannot save a person. If it, if it could, many of those guys in those Fortune 500 companies will be saved and many of them are not saved and, they are, many, of, and many of them are as demonic as anything. <laughs> and I'm speaking from my personal encounter with some of them. Amen. So nobody gets saved by a natural by a natural faith. Everyone is saved by the faith that comes from hearing the gospel. So no pastor or brother or sister should go and evangelize using their prosperity or their human success to win people to Christ. If you talk about your human success or if you share your human success with people and people come to church as a result and think they're a Christian, see, you have, you, have, you, have just, you have planted the seed of covetousness in people. Those people did not come to have a relationship with God. They do not know God. And don't be surprised that in Africa, in particular Nigeria where I come, over 50% of people in the church are not genuinely born again or saved. Because they went to church with, because of something. And that's why I don't invite people to our church with miracles, signs, and healing. Because now, those things happen. We, can, we, we heal. We do all kinds of things by, based by the power of God that's work on the inside of us. But when we attract people with those kind of things, what do we think we are doing? They will come. Many of such people come for what they want. For me, it's not best practice. And I've seen this in several churches. And when people get to what they want, they start messing up. They start causing confusion and, and confusion and destruction in that particular church. Because you entice them. You did not minister the gospel to them. So many of them do not actually have the faith of God in them. To be continued. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we thank you in the name of the Lord Jesus for your word that's come, come to us this morning about faith. A salvation by grace. True faith. And Lord, we pray that those words bear fruit in our heart. In the name of Jesus, and as we reflect on this going on this week, as we go through the week, we pray that it becomes more real to us, and we are able to appreciate your 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 riches, your kindness, and um, your your love, such that you came to die for us, so that we can be reunited with you, we can be reconciled back to you through the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.